gentlemen, welcome to America's Auto Enthusiast Program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for choosing to be with me on the radio program called Auto World. We've got lots in store, and this hour we're going to be joined by our regular contributor. He is a certified lubrication specialist with more than 25 years of experience. He's also worked in the U.S. Navy and on the nuclear propulsion side of things, and one of the largest AMSOIL dealers in all of North America. So Dan Watson is standing by. We're getting a lot of emails from Dan over the weeks, and we'd like to thank you for that. You can email Dan anytime, Dan Watson at thelooppage.com, or you can uh, shoot an email to me, bob at autoworldradio.com. Why don't we do that one, bob at autoworldradio.com. And now... I'd like to uh, remind folks that Mackenzie's behind the board, ready, able, and willing to take your calls. And uh, you can just dial us up anywhere, toll-free, 855-660-4261. Now we go to the guest lines and bring forth our regular contributor when it comes to all things lubrication, one of the leading experts in synthetics, it's my pleasure to uh, welcome Dan Watson back. Dan, how are you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Bob, and I thought it was interesting when you said Mackenzie was manning the board because, yes. as you know, being a, a Central Floridian, our school out here, our university, Mackenzie Milton is the star quarterback, and I hadn't actually heard anybody else name Mackenzie, and then... <laughs> I say that, and all of a sudden you're telling me there's somebody right there that uh, you know that's named McKenzie. So I guess it's not that unique of a name after all. Well, it's still pretty unique. This is my first exposure to a McKenzie. So uh, they're an elite group, I guess that's what we should say. Yeah, I guess so. so. But everything is going well, and as you know, we may actually break our... Uh, <laughs> weather spell we've had for what now about six months of summer yeah. i think it's time for it to get over i think so too it's been a very warm and rainy period in uh, our neck of the woods here in central florida but uh, i heard somebody over the weekend saying things are gonna break soon well that will be good news for for lots of folks but one thing uh, that isn't good news, I was filling up my car this week, and once again, the price of gas is up. And it's not only gasoline, but it's also driving uh, the cost of oils and, and lubricants. They seem to be moving up. What is driving up the costs of oils and lubricants, Dan? Well, you know, it's sort of a complex question because normally we just say, well, the cost of crude oil goes up, right? But actually, if you kind of look at this, both for gasoline and for uh, lubricants, is, uh, crude oil is not at any um, all-time high right now in the $70 barrel range in that area. And we've had within the past five years where oil was $140 a barrel at one time, twice as much. And the mm-hmm. uh, lubricants didn't cost as much then as they cost now. And Gasoline though was close to four dollars a gallon, and now it's running two seventy-five or so, at least here in Central Florida. So I think 
you have to sort of step back and, and, and look at this from two directions. One is that always the cost of the constituents, the crude oil has to be refined. That's going to have a direct effect upon uh, final pricing. But it's just one of the factors. Uh, other factors would be if if you see that a large energy company, oil company, is being squeezed on one end a little bit because they would like to get more for their crude oil and they're not getting quite as much for that as they'd like to, well, then sometimes they push over into their finished products and those get bumped up a little bit to make up for the difference so that you can have the overall profitability where that company wants to be. And that's just a, it's a, seems like a cruel part of, of marketing and business, but it's true. Companies that are multifaceted with drilling and pulling oil out of the ground, well, they expect to get a certain return. And if they're, it's costing them more to extract that oil, yet they're not able to sell it for exactly the amount they'd like to sell it for, then another branch of the company, it would be their uh, fuels, gasolines, and then a portion of that would be lubricants. And then a big company like Mobile will also have Mobile Chemical Corporation, which is another giant chemical company, which folks, chemical companies, a big part of what they use are oils and uh, natural gases and ethylene gases to make a lot of the things that they make in their chemicals. So it is a big, big business, and to to tie down just one aspect of it for why the prices increase is difficult to do because you'll see crude starting to drop, and yet you won't see the uh, the prices of the finished products dropping right away. And then they may start to drop some, and then you see just a bump up in crude, and they shoot up past where they were before. So a lot of it is in the marketing side, not in the manufacturing side or the refining side. Now, when it comes to lubricating oil specifically, what uh, would be a good quick shot lesson for our listeners to understand is that when you when you manufacture a lubricating oil, for example, an engine oil, a 5W30, a 5W20, a 0W20, whatever you're making, a portion of that oil, let's say in that quart of oil, there's going to be so much of it that was just the refined petroleum-based stock or the synthetic-based stock. And that's just a portion of the cost because the next part is you have to actually put additive chemicals in that oil to tailor it that it's going to go in an internal combustion engine. Those additives will cost usually more. They'll cost definitely more than the petroleum-based stock, and they will usually cost equal to or more than a high-grade synthetic-based stock. So we have to look at the fact that when you see lubricating oil go up in price, it can be just as much from the cost of the chemical additives that go in the oil as it can be for a change in the either petroleum or synthetic base oil price. And that's, you know, unfortunate because in I know in the uh, Ansel Synthetic Oil that this is a company that doesn't refine oil and has to buy all of its constituent parts from other people. So when you have uh, 
true chemical-based synthetics, if the chemical companies are raising prices, you're, you're almost double-ended because you've got the cost of the base going up because of increased price in chemicals and the price of the additives going under oil because of increased price in additives. So it can be uh, interesting why the prices go up different for some synthetics than they do for others. And then at the same time, if you're a company like Valvoline, which is a blender, they don't refine any oil. They have to deal with this exact same thing. All of their constituents come from other uh manufacturers that make them and then sell them to them and then they blend it together to make oil. So some companies are affected in different ways because of the finished product they make. But in every case, it's a combination of the base product changing price and the chemistry of the additive changing price. That makes a whole lot of sense. When we come back on the other side, we've got uh, Tim in Altoona, Pennsylvania, and room for you at 855-660-4261. This is Auto World. I'm Bob Long. Don't go away. Broadcasting from the middle of Corvette Boulevard and Stingray Avenue, this is Auto World with your host, Bob Long. The questions are coming in, and we have room for lots more, so email me up, uh, Dan, directly, dan at thelupage.com, or me, Bob, at autoworldradio.com. Or if you want to dial up and say hello to our producer, Mackenzie, 855-660-4261. Here's a question out of Altoona, Pennsylvania. Uh, Tim writes, I'm a little bit confused on octane and cetane. Could you explain these items? It's a good question. Well, it is because... uh most people might not even have ever heard of cetane, but we'll we'll get to them both. Octane is a rating on gasoline, and when you drive up to the pump at the gas station, you'll see that they'll have some octanes listed as usually something like the, the, the standard regular will be about 87 octane, and then you can have some super regular at 89 octane, and then you can have some uh, mid-grade at uh, 90 octane, maybe 91, it depends upon what they're calling it, and then you can have some uh, premium or high test, which would uh, be at, say, 93 octane. And why do they have those ratings and why are they important? Well, octane is actually the higher the octane number, the less explosive I use that term on purpose, explosive, the gasoline. And you want, contrary to what might seem uh, apparent, is that you do not want the gasoline to detonate. What that means is it, it just blows up. What you're looking for it to do is rapidly burn. You say, well, what's the difference? Well, it's a lot of difference when you're actually looking at it from a combustion standpoint. When that piston is coming up and compressing that mixture of gasoline and air and that spark plug ignites, 
it sets off the gasoline to react with the oxygen in that air to actually burn. Now, if it could do it all in one instant, let's say one microsecond, that's one millionth of a second, if it could all do it that fast, then I would have a maximum pressure pulse and the piston would start down and it would immediately, immediately the pressure would be dropping off rapidly. On the other hand, if I could get that burn to last some milliseconds, which would be one thousandth of a second instead of one millionth of a second, I would have an expanding pressure gradient for enough time that the piston would have already started down, and as the volume was expanding inside the cylinder, the fuel mixture would still be pushing it down. Okay, so that's one aspect of it. Now, the other aspect is that I got to get the fuel to at least uh, burn and burn efficiently so I can't have an octane rating that's so high that I don't even burn all the fuel. So the point is I got to find a sweet spot. I got to have octane at a level which will give me a good expansive burn and yet uh, the fuel will be, call it, ignitable enough that it will burn it all and burn it thoroughly and give me all the power out of that fuel. So, you know, the guys that manufacture the engines, they perfect this stuff. And for you motorheads out there, it has to do, obviously, with the timing. Because when I set that uh, volume off will make a lot of difference in... Uh, how well the fuel burns. Now, when I have uh, lower octane, in a lot of cases I tend to retard the timing, meaning that I might actually set the mixture off after the piston's already reached the top and it's already starting to go down. A lot of times with higher octane, like 93, 95, 97 octane, I will advance the timing so that the spark plug is, is going off before I reach top top of the piston. So this gets complicated, and there's, there's just terrific guys out there that mess with this, but the octane rating is designed into your car. There's what they call a knock sensor that's in the car, and it's looking for a certain knock that takes place in the engine, which means that, and that'll happen because you're running a lower octane fuel, like 87 or 85. If that knock sensor doesn't hear that knock, then the computer gets kind of crazy looking for it and can cause all kinds of unknown uh, adjustments in your fuel-air mixture that you're not interested in. So it's important to run the correct octane. Now, it is true that some engines will run um, better on a slightly higher octane than what they came rated in their Manual, And to tell you the truth, a lot of that is because sometimes the octane rating that's on the pump depends upon how you rate it. You may not, you may be within a couple of points, but it may be on the low side. So when you go up to the next one, all of a sudden you're really at the octane that the designers made your car for. So you can figure that out based on how well your car runs on the gasoline in your area and the particular station that you buy it from and that kind of stuff. But octane is a measure of how slow the fuel will burn 
the higher the octane, the slower the burn. All right. Now we move over to cetane. God knows that if it wasn't for these terms, we could never get confused, okay? But <clears throat> they can confuse us. Cetane in diesel is the opposite. In, in a diesel engine, I am bringing my piston up, and I'm reaching very high pressure. Well, under high pressure, air gets extremely hot. So what happens is I bring that piston up maybe with a 20-to-1 compression, 18, 25, whatever the designer had. And then at that very high compression, my injector injects at a very high pressure. It injects diesel into that hot air mixture. Well, it's going to it's gonna burn. The question is, how quickly will it burn? Cetane is just the opposite of octane. It says, hey, uh, when we have this situation, will it even set, will, will this diesel even be set off in that hot air when you squirt it in there, when you, when the, Injector fires it in there, and cetane tells us how quickly or how well it will ignite, almost like an ignition uh, measurement. Uh, the lower the cetane, the poorer the performance of the fuel. Okay, so it's it's different than gasoline, and it's important because all of these uh, very high performance turbo diesels and things that you can buy now, uh, they got to get a good. Uh, uh, cetane rating somewhere around 45, and unfortunately in some places, especially down here, Bob, in, in Florida, in the dead of winter, sometimes the fuel companies start dumping some lower quality diesel down south because they won't do too well in real cold weather. So anyway, I'll finish it up quickly when we come back from the break. We'll be right back after more messages. This is Ottawa. And now, back to the show with the highest octane, Auto World, and your host, Bob Long. Dan Watson with us as our regular contributor when it comes to lubrication and and Ann's oil dealer for more than a quarter of a century, one of the largest in all of the U.S. If you're listening on, on any of our live stations or tape delay stations in Florida, be sure and sit down and t- take a good whiff of this because there's a lot of great information that Dan has put together in this latest uh, guide and as we were talking about cetane and and octane um, a couple of people emailed me in between and still don't understand the two different gases are they not Dan? Well octane is just a rating for um you could rate any uh, burnable fuel, liquid fuel, with an octane rating. It's just a rating of how uh, fast that fuel will burn, okay? And then cetane is a rating specifically for diesel. You could have a cetane rating for kerosene since it's in the same family. But cetane is a rating of how easily it will ignite. Did you know that you can, uh, if you had a, a fully vented, completely vented bucket with diesel uh, oil in it that uh, you could throw a lit match into it and it usually won't do anything. But if you had a bucket full of gasoline and you threw the lit match in, it would ignite quickly because the vapor would, would light off. So the question is, 
how do I know on my diesel that it's going to quickly ignite like I want it to? And that's the cetane rating. So cetane ratings go up to about 55. That's all on their scale that we're going to see with stuff. But um, the un- thing for the listener to understand just straight out is octane is a rating that tells you the higher the octane, the slower the rate of burn of the gasoline. And you want that. In a gasoline engine, you want to avoid detonation, which is like a little explosion goes off and all your fuel is just instantaneously burned. You don't want that. That would cause severe stresses and rattling and banging. But if you get a nice burn, and I say burn, we're talking about in the world of things very small uh, time spans. We're talking about, uh, you know, 5,000 of a second, okay, versus one millionth of a second for an explosion. And in cetane, we're simply talking about, hey, I want to get this stuff. <laughs> when I squirt that diesel in that very hot air, I just want it to ignite, okay? And so I got to know that it's going to do that, so I use a cetane rating to do that. Other than that, it gets you get into some uh, some deeper chemistry, which is no time to do that over the air here. But when somebody pulls up to the pump and they see those octane ratings, they're going to know their car is designed to use that 87, put that 87 in it. Many times you will actually be counterproductive by buying a higher octane fuel than what is rated for your car. And when you go to diesel, most of the time you can experiment a little with your diesel, especially your turbo diesels. You might get an improved fuel economy with a higher octane number one diesel over a lower octane number two, but maybe not. So it's a lot of extra money for maybe no particular increase in the return for what you've spent. So I think we'll let it go with that and move on to the next question, Bob. Yeah, sure am. So, Dan, um, I lost the feed there for a moment. Um, We're with Gary in uh, Warren, Pennsylvania. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Okay. Gary writes, cold weather is coming and I don't expect to ride my Harley much for the last three months. When is the best procedure for the bike sitting for this time in the garage? Well, here's what would be, I think, a good procedure. And first off, you ought to, just before the bike sits up for this time, change your engine oil before the bike goes into this uh, low-use era and use one of the premium motorcycle oils. There's, there's a couple that come from Amazon. The reason I recommend them is because they have actual excellent rust inhibitor and corrosion protection capabilities because that's what we're talking about here. The bike's going to sit up. You want the inside of the engine to stay pristine clean, and you don't want any rust forming. So if it gets all coated well with this uh, premium uh, synthetic motorcycle oil from Amazon, it's going to be like you preserved it, okay? Now, that being the case, I still think it's a good idea for you to, to get that bike. Uh, if there's a ventilated area, you can open the garage door or something and uh, back it out just a little bit in the middle of the day and, and run that bike for about 30 minutes once a month just to really get everything all lubricated up again and coated and covered and uh, bring the bike all the way up to where it's up to its full temperature should be done in about 30 minutes and then take it back in and park it again. And, and that's, I think, all you have to do is, is change the oil before the inactive period starts. Maybe that's November for you. And you change the oil in November, and then you 
take it through the winter by starting it up once a month and run it for 30 minutes. And then when you start riding it in the spring, if you used that excellent uh, premium Amsoil synthetic, you don't have to change your oil now in the spring. You just keep going because it'll last you, unless you're a real high mileage guy, it'll last you about another 5,000 miles uh, over the riding months of the summer and the you know, spring, summer, and fall. Uh, and you'll be in good shape to start again as it gets cold and you decide to put the bike up. So that's my best recommendation for that. Yes, that's for certain. No question about it. And uh, as my audio keeps fading in and out here a little bit, let's go to a another question. Uh, this one is a question from Ocala, Florida. Dan, uh, Mike writes from Ocala, my car requires a oat antifreeze. What is an oat? O capital O, capital A, capital T. Hey, it's a good question. That's called an OAT. And an OAT coolant or antifreeze, that stands for organic acid technology. Wow, we've defined it. Big term. <laughs> what does it mean? It's not all that crazy what it means, but what it what is important to understand is that the chemistry there in an uh, organic acid is special. Mm-hmm. And so it means that almost all the new cars have some type of organic acid technology antifreeze. The days of the old good pressing, oh, excuse me, uh, I can say that, Preston, right? Yeah. Preston antifreeze that was green. And that was a sulfide type uh, fluid, meaning that it's primary constituent of anti-corrosion and keeping everything good was its uh, sulfur-based additives that did that. Those were not organic acid technology. So the important thing to remember is that if you have a very old vehicle, it would be best if you're going to go with one of these new antifreezes to flush that old vehicle completely out, get it all cleaned out, then you could come in with an organic acid technology. But if you're running a car already that requires one of these OATs, then you've got to make sure that when you buy antifreeze to put in it, that it's compatible. Now, there is <laughs> these terms. There is a antifreeze that we'll refer to as a POAT, with the P standing for poly, meaning poly organic acid technology. And what that means, poly meaning many, means it's compatible with any of the OATs. So that's what you really most of the time need to look for is a POAT so that you won't go wrong for your car. <laughs> Very good. Hang with us and we're going to have lots more coming after up after this quick break. This is Auto World. I'm Bob Long. Hey, it's Billy F. Gibbons from ZZ Top, and you're listening right here at Auto World. We're back and we're live. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Bob Long, along with Dan Watson from TheLoopPage.com, and we're 
we're taking your calls and lots of questions, including we've got a call from Mary in Atlanta. And what does Mary have for a question for our friend Dan? Uh, my Toyota requires synthetic engine oil. Why is there such a subtle spread of pricing for synthetics? Are they all the same or just some overpriced? Hey, fair question. The, uh, but she's right. Toyota does require synthetic from bumper to bumper. They have for several years now. Might be a, a what would that be, a word? of wisdom to everyone listening is that Toyota is a pretty respectable big company and they think it's uh, wise to go to synthetic lubricants uh, for all of the requirements in their cars. So pretty good move, pretty bold move, pretty smart move. Okay, now Mary's question is why is there such a widespread for synthetics? Now, you remember, Bob, last week I kind of jumped up on the soapbox and talked about the imitation synthetics and all the, uh, just in my opinion, the direct fraud on the consumer, and I, I, I went back and talked about the history on that. If, if, if you missed that show, folks, you can pick it up. If you go to the um, Auto World website, you can get to the uh, previous shows and listen to it because it spent some time talking about what that issue is all about. But let's just say here for Mary that she'll understand that uh, I'm sorry, but when it comes to quality synthetic engine oil, you will probably get what you pay for. There is some stuff out there that's masquerading as synthetic, and it's priced sometimes equal to or below petroleum. And just ask yourself that question. How could that possibly be? Well, it's a direct reflection of just how much of a real good synthetic that is. So I advise you to stay away from it. You can get um, quality synthetic engine oils from a number of places, okay? My strongest recommendation is that you take a real hard look at Amsoil Synthetics. Why? Because on the bottle of the engine oils you're going to buy, it's going to say 100% synthetic. And by law, that has to mean something. It really has to mean something. When you see these oils labeled full synthetic, it, it apparently doesn't mean anything because some of them are not even 25% synthetic and the rest is mineral oil and they're calling it full synthetic. I went into detail on that. I don't want to get on that, that soapbox high today, but you're going to see big difference in prices, just like when you see big difference in prices of tires and you see some high-quality uh, radios that cost more than others. It's because they're better tires and they'll go for a longer distance. When you look at synthetic engine oil, if you buy the better guys, they're going to cost more because they're trying to make a good quality lubricant. Others are trying to make more money off of the term synthetic. And I advise you to be careful and uh, do your homework. There's lots of stuff to look at on the Internet these days. But for Mary, I know she's probably not interested in going on the Internet and, and, you know, trying to dig deep and figure all that out. So what I would say to you is that the number one respectable true synthetic in the marketplace is Amsoil Synthetic, especially the Signature Series Synthetic line of products. So if you want to make sure you're getting your money's worth, and you say, yeah, but they cost more than the other products. That's true, but those products can run for one year or 25,000 miles. So if you just do 10 or 15,000 miles in a year and you run that oil, you would have done 
three to four other oil changes in the same time. So I guarantee you that one quart of AMS oil at 11 or $12 is not going to be as much as buying four quarts of a subpar synthetic at $8 a quart. Okay, so uh, I'll leave it at that and, and say to Mary that uh, use that term in the business, laissez-faire, buyer beware. Okay, make sure you, you, you look careful. And if you need help, hey, send me an email to Dan Watson at thelubepage.com, and, and I will help you sort it out. We can get the next question in, I think, Bob. All right. Uh, just my my uh, headphone jack, my amplifier is gone here, so it's it's given me some trouble. We're going to have to get a new one. We'll have that next week. Let's see what else we've got. Uh, how about Gary in Texas? Uh, Gary writes... You seem to favor AMSOIL as the best synthetic oil. If any synthetic meets the API spec, why pay more for AMSOIL? That's a fair enough question. It is, and I would just say this with all honesty. The API does a good job, but they put out the minimum specification that oil has to meet. For example, if we went to tires as an example again, we'd say, hey, if, if any one of these radial tires meets the minimum spec and is good for 40,000 miles, why would I pay more money for that other radio? Well, because that radio is rated as a uh, load C, heat temperature C rated, and it is a 80,000-mile tire, and you can buy that, and uh, it'll last you longer and give you better performance, okay? Traction on the road. Well, the same thing sure. is, is that when you look at a synthetic engine oil, uh, what are you paying for? And just like I said in the previous question, Sometimes you may be paying for something that's not even really synthetic, and you're paying the price for it, and of course it meets the API specs. It would if it was petroleum. But they told you it's synthetic, and now they're charging you more money for it. And it turns out that it's really uh, faux pas synthetic. Uh, and so if you buy the real product, the true 100% synthetic real product, then you're going to have to pay the price for that because they're not trying to cut corners. They're giving you what you're actually paying for. When you buy some of the substandard stuff, yeah, you got it for a better price, but you got exactly what you paid for, a lower quality product. So um, that's the reason why. And remember, the API specifications are the minimum specification it has to meet, not the maximum. You can certainly make something that would perform much better than those minimum specifications, and that's what you get from AMSOIL. I think we might be able to get this last one in, Bob. I think you're right. And this one comes from Utah, and it's uh, Rodney. And Rodney wants to know, what's the best snowmobile oil? Soon my whole family will be on the trails every weekend. I hate having to have one of the sleds down for the for maintenance, uh, who does? Yeah, you don't want it down during peak season. No, you want to be able to use these things. That's the reason you buy them. Now, here's the thing: if you didn't have any other thing, you knew nothing else, then I would tell you, if you bought yourself a, a, a Yamaha, then put some Yamaha lube in it. If you bought yourself a Polaris, put some Polaris lube in it. Okay, but if you have the time to look, and you're going to take the time, there are some. Very good uh, products that come that are not from the manufacturer. One of those is the Amsoil Snowmobile Oils. My goodness, Amsoil's from 
Duluth, Minnesota, okay? And the whole group up there, they can't stand it if they don't have lots of snow and go on those snowmobile trails. And so it's close to their heart to make snowmobile oil, and they make some of the best snowmobile that you can find. They're very, very active in the snowcross, uh, all the racing uh, that's the uh, – the circuit that goes across up there. If you ever watch them sometimes on one of the ESPN or ESPN2 stations, and they'll, you'll see a big snowmobile race going on, and you'll see the Amzol banners and all this stuff on the on the racetrack because they're big sponsors of uh, that racing. And so that's something that they take great pride in, is making some of the best uh, snowmobile engine oil you can buy. They did a super test of some stuff called interceptor which was made for those snowmobiles that have power control valves and those power control valves are in the exhaust and they tend to get very sticky and and, and start sticking and not working right and uh so they tested formulations of this interceptor oil in a large fleet at yellowstone now what a lot of people don't know is yellowstone's closed in the winter but they have a tremendous business for snowmobile trails and riding in the winter. And they got some companies up there that rent you the snowmobile for the day. And the particular fleet that Amzol was messing with had like four or 500 of these. And so they ran a test of different formulations to figure out which one and how it worked the best for an in-fleet test. And this interceptor oil was just out of this world for those two-stroke snowmobiles that uh, – have power control valves. It's just you can't beat it. Okay, so that's the best I can give you, Rodney. Uh, get on the trails and have some fun. That's going to do it for this hour in this edition of Auto World. Don't forget, send Dan Watson an email, Watson at thelubepage.com. And check back next week at this very same time on this very same station. That's going to do it for this hour. I'm Bob Long. Thanks for